I support our brave soldiers, whether they come from the clone factories or from any of the thousands of systems loyal to the Republic. But if we continue to impoverish our people... It is not on the battlefield where Dooku will defeat us, but in our own homes. Therefore, it is our duty and our responsibility to preserve the lives of those around us by defeating this bill. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, the Senate turns against Padme's push for peace after a deadly droid attack on Coruscant and the violent intimidation of senators. But Padme, supported by Bail Organa and her uncle Ono, stays the course and rallies to deliver an heroic speech which revives negotiations. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Padme to my Tekla. What's her name again? <laughs> I just thought of that at the last minute and I should have checked. Tekla. I think that is, is Tekla, Tekla but, but for some reason it was so awkward <laughs> that it's yeah, funny to me. Because I just thought of it, I was like, wait a minute, don't say Anakin to Ahsoka because this is he's the Padme to my Tekla. It's a trusty pair, Robbie. Hello there. And we are going to talk about the fifty-fourth episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's season three, episode eleven, Pursuit of Peace. So Robbie, why don't you kick us off by letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week. In all honesty, I feel like I must have slept through this episode because I didn't remember. <laughs> seriously, there was so much of it that was like, I don't remember this at all. I guess it's because this one is a, you know, maybe I'm a, an eight-year-old at heart and I just tuned out of it. But yeah, this one was quite new to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, maybe it's is it enjoyable when you get completely surprised by an episode and you don't know where it's going? Well, I mean, th- the way that we're doing this show kind of forces me to view it differently than I do when I'm just kind of, when I just have it on. Right. Because there's sometimes when, I don't know about you, but like when I'm watching regular TV, sometimes I'm, I get a text or, you know, I'm looking at something on my iPad or whatever i mean i'm just doing something else i'm not completely 100 percent focused and i must not have been focused on this when i watched it the first two times because there was so much new i mean i actually enjoyed watching it what felt almost like a brand new episode to me because i just i didn't remember hardly any of it well in that case it would have come as a surprise to you to hear that padme has to deal with the loss of her beloved mina bonteri who we only just met in the last episode and of course padme doesn't just have to deal with the loss of her beloved Mina Bonteri, she also finds her standing and her credibility being dismissed, at least in part because she reveals that she had a friend in the Separatist Senate. And we see this shown most pointedly, of course, when Padme and Uncle Anaconda pay a visit to the Quarren Senator Christo, who pretty much flat out tells Padme that he won't listen to her, but he'll listen to Bail, for example. So there's this theme of Padme fighting to be heard and fighting to be believed in this episode, and we get even more of this when she's stopped by those cops, who also won't listen to her even when she explains she's only trying to escape the bounty hunters and she's a senator and of course all of her fight to be heard builds to this moment when Padme has to speak in Bailstead in front of the senate and we're sort of starting at the end here a little bit Robbie but how did you like this journey that Padme goes on in this episode I actually kind of liked it I mean there's there's a little bit of uh 
I guess, story beats that are a little strange to me. Like, when Padme is talking to Tekla, and Tekla's kind of explaining about how her family is has been uh, affected by the war, I guess just the way that it's... I mean, I get what it's doing, is it's setting up, you know, her speech at the end, right. where she brings her up. But it was just... It was very awkward, you know? And there's a lot of awkwardness in this episode. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, a scene after... I guess the the announcement that Mina Bonteri has been assassinated on their way back to Padme's almost a clubhouse. <laughs> but, uh, so there's Padme and Bale and Uncle Ono coming back to Padme's quarters. There's just a lot of awkwardness in the way that they move. I don't know if you noticed it, but no, it, didn't. it just seemed like you know how like sometimes they'll you know. It's just limits of animation. You're trying to not just have everybody just standing there. Right. So you're moving their arms awkwardly when they talk where it just doesn't seem natural. This one, it's supposed to be like this cool one shot, you know, of them walking down the hallway, her signing something, that person goes out of the way, the camera keeps following them into the quarters, and then, you know, Padme finds her way around her desk, and and Bale is there, and Uncle Ono is there. But it's the way that it was filmed. If you watch Bale, it's really, really awkward. Because it seems like he's like constantly in the way and constantly trying to get out of the way. It's just I didn't pick that, that up at all. It really stuck out to me. I don't know why, but it did. And I thought it was kind of funny. But And I mean, just some of the stuff is just so on the nose. Like, for example, the Kaminoan, who suggests that the additional order of clones be put out, right? Right. She's named Hallie Bertoni. So, like, you know, oh, Halliburton. Okay. So, it's one of those things where it's like, okay. At the same time, though, I understand what they're doing, you know? They're, and you could almost say, I'm sure there would be people that would say that this is not the platform to be putting these kinds of ideas out there. But I think what this is meant to do is it's meant to give a point of view, you know? And that's what I like about it is that you do see all of these different points of view, even though... Some are clearly, you know, on the side of good and some are clearly on the side of bad. I mean, I think Padme's speech kind of brings up some interesting points. I think it plants those seeds in young people's minds, you know, that I, that maybe, you know, war is not always the answer. And maybe, you know, you know what I mean? There's definitely seeds of, of peace, really, to be taken from this, which I, you know, I have to appreciate on a certain level. Yeah, I get what you mean about the clankiness. Less, I guess less in terms of the animation itself. That I just didn't. None of that stood out to me. But sort of this episode, like Heroes on both sides, the previous episode really delves into the role that fear plays in conflict, escalation, and decision making. And here, it brings the intimidation to the doorstep of several senators by having them jump by thugs. Although. The bit that sort of felt clunky to me was I did find myself questioning why these senators, like Padme's uncle Anaconda, were out there with no bodyguards during this time of heightened danger on Coruscant after both the droid bomb attack from the last episode and also finding out that the separatist senator Mina Monteri's been assassinated, which you'd think could cause concern over possible retaliatory actions. So that kind of felt a little bit forced to me. I mean, why were they out there without bodyguards, Robbie? Even Padme's walking around with no bodyguards. Yeah, I mean, it's there is a little strangeness there to that. But at the same time, I think that's part of the interesting thing about the way that they present this is that a lot of the, I guess, the Coruscant citizens aren't used to that kind of danger around every corner and things like that. So maybe it's just kind of like maybe this is a, a turning point. Yeah, I get you. But I would have thought the turning point would be that these droids got all the way into their... <laughs> 
their power grid and blue. Like, I thought the turning point was in the last episode, so it was surprising to see them still being cavalier about security in this episode. And, of course, we just talked about Uncle Ono, Uncle Onokunda Far, and we haven't really mentioned him since Bombad Jedi when he was so ready to betray Padme and basically sell her to the Separatists. Let's just remember that once in a while, even though he's obviously a good guy now. And he's been on the scene in a few episodes since then. And while he's never really been much more than a background character, he's kind of a welcome presence by now, right? I know you've always been a fan of the Rodians, Robbie. You're going to be happy to see Uncle Onokunda, right? Oh, yeah, and, and there's a... Just like Bale has sort of a soothing presence, you know, with his voice and his, I guess his, I don't know, his character. I think Uncle Ono is is almost a sort of a reminder to Padme of things. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, he is a reminder of things. Yeah. I mean, the, you're not wrong. The things in the, in the uh, I think Uncle Ono is a reminder of her past and of her, of her childhood and just a soothing presence yeah I mean, I'm glad they've managed to put that thing where he was going to sell her out to the separatists behind them and their relationships repaired and it is reassuring to have him around now and he, even though he gets beat up he's steadfast and he's still on the side of good he's still on Padme's side and of course we just mentioned Bale and even when Bale is terribly injured and even fighting just to stay conscious, he still won't quit, Robbie. We've talked before and here about how cool that dude is, and there are several times in this particular episode where it's emphasized just how highly respected Bale is by all. And any time it's pointed out to us, it makes absolute sense, right, because of the way they've set him up. And, I mean, I'm sure I'm getting repetitive by now, but every time we've seen a story which features Bale in some way, it really radiates that kind of warm nobility and speaking of warm nobility robbie we get this blues bar scene in this episode with figure and dan and the modal nodes that's who it is right isn't it i'm not sure if it is or not but uh let's just i'll just say that it is and if it's not someone can correct us (laughs) we get this blues bar scene with figure and dan and the modal nodes and they're playing some kind of riff on what sounded to me like the Blues Brothers theme, that Peter Gunn theme. Yep. And this was one of my old man's favorite films and favorite soundtracks, so I heard a lot of it growing up, and I kind of grew up on the blues in general in a lot of ways. I mean, when it came to the Beatles versus the Stones, that old chestnut, we were definitely a Stones household. But how did you like seeing Figure and Dan and the lads, if that is indeed who it was, uh, playing the blues in this episode, Robbie? No, it's, it's weird, because... Even though I enjoyed that part of it, I was also like, why are these why are these Twi'leks dancing in here? Why why is this set up like this? I mean, there's there's even I don't know if you noticed, but there's a a quick shot of the two bounty hunters sitting there talking to uh to Dooku and it's sort of a two shot and in both of their backgrounds, you know, right. there's a Twi'lek dancing and it's not the same one. It's definitely different ones. And then there's one off in the distance and there's I, I guess it's a uh, uh, one of Hondo's gang or something, S- like sitting there watching the Twi'lek and just kind of looking up and just kind of nodding his head. And it's just a weird, <laughs> it's just a weird image. And it's like, I mean, I get what they're trying to get across here because there there are CD parts of, of course, on just like on you know maybe any city in the country, maybe you know you could say sure. But at the same time, it was just like, why, why is this here? It just it completely distracted me and took me out of that scene, and I had to actually watch it again and listen to what they're saying because I was laughing at <laughs> how ridiculous that was. And of course, in that bar is where we meet this new bounty hunter, Chata Hayoki, or at least he's new to me, but someone who wasn't as new to me. This is Robinino, the fish-faced, sort of half duck, half fish-faced. What we end up with is 
a scene where Padme is walking alone in the dark and we know that there's this plot about for these bounty hunters to go after her and of course I'm sure we were both and everyone else out there all the troops out we were all rubbing our hands together thinking that we were in for some Padme spinning kicks and of course we unfortunately don't get any of those but we did get a Padme speeder bike chase through the skylines of Coruscant how did you like the sights and sounds of this speeder bike chase Robbie this pursuit scene in pursuit of peace with Padme dragging Chata Hayoki through all manner of carnage trying to shake him off and also trying to outrun Robinino. I mean, spoiler alert, I loved it. How did you like this speeder bike scene, Robbie? I really liked it a lot. I mean, it's, as you said, the sound was really, really cool. And I don't know, it's sort of interesting. Maybe it's a, you know, a callback to Leia jumping on that speeder bike in Endor like it was nothing. But yeah, it was interesting. And it was also cool to see Padme actually seem to have fun doing yeah. this. Yeah, she has a few smiles, right? Yeah, she was enjoying it. And then, I mean, just little details. I mean, did you notice that she sped past that one police cruiser? There was like surprise police droids in there. And it looked like he spilled coffee or something. Yeah. It was just an interesting... <laughs> yeah. It was like, what? It was so weird. And then, I don't know if you picked up on this as well, but, you know, at the end of the chase, when the police cruisers are sort of surrounding her... Did you get a very Fifth Element vibe from that? Because to me, that looked like the Fifth Element. And you just brought Fifth Element up on the uh, last episode we did. Yeah. But uh, did you notice that as well? Yeah, I, but I get those vibes from pretty much any time they're in the Coruscant Skylands. You know, anytime there's those sort of scenes, I'm pretty much getting that Fifth Element kind of slash Blade Runner vibe, in which I love so much. So, yeah, yeah I guess I did. And speaking of shots, my favorite shot of the episode comes from this section of the movie, Robbie. There's one really neat shot that I thought might be my favorite shot of the episode when, or it's actually more of a cut than a shot. We see this giant hologram of Padme in the square giving her speech and it cuts to Padme in the Senate and she's in exactly the same pose and position on the screen. So we go straight from the hologram of Padme to Padme herself and I always dig a nice pointed stylish cut like that. But my favorite shot of Pursuit of Peace was the action close-up of Chattahiyoki being dragged through all those light poles. And I also <laughs> love the sound those things made as his head hit each one, that kind of rapid hollow bonk, 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 bonk. It was faster than that, wasn't it? It was a bonk, 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 bonk. He's sort of yeah. skittling through these things. And Hayoki having a real bad day at the Bounty Hunter office. And as we've talked about in other previous episodes, and this is more of a sound thing, that sound of 3PO when he gets clunked, that really cracks me up. And this comedic sound combined with the visual <laughs> of my favorite shot of the episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed that moment. But Robbie, what was your favorite shot of Pursuit of Peace? There's actually a lot of them uh, that you could look at as far as like nighttime Coruscant. Is like, it's just beautiful yeah yep. i mean with the one that i'm that kind of made me go okay that's probably the one it's uh i believe it's in padme's quarters is at nighttime bail organa is kind of in the left side of the frame and behind him is the yeah. landscape of yeah, course awesome. and it's just beautiful looking but there's also i mean the the scene that i talked about with the the police cruiser surrounding padme and the right. the way that the light shines you know that i guess that volumetric look to the light you know it's just yeah. it's just neat you know it almost looks like there's a fog everywhere you know but i really like the look of that it's always been something that i like there's so many there's so many really really nice looking shots in this episode and as you said the way that they portrayed that padme's speech was being heard everywhere was really a, a pretty neat effect i mean there's from holograms to view you know view screens and it's just kind of neat it's a, it a neat way to do it 
Yeah, I love a good reaction shot or just another character reacting to something in any kind of story. And there's a lot of that super effective use of reaction shots in this episode as Padme's giving her speech and we see the other senators start to respond and then we get that shot outside on the steps of the Senate building and another one in a huge square of people on the street gathering to listen to Padme. And then we get that one where we kind of drone shot up through like a track there's some sort of train track system and we sort of scoop up through that so there's a whole bunch of cool shots there and as Padme's urgent voice of course is going out to the people the music is building more urgently too and of course one of the people who starts to listen is the obstinate Senator Christo who we mentioned earlier who wasn't interested in listening to Padme then so that's a lot of fun to see and of course over the years in films and TV, we've seen our share of inspirational speeches from politicians and from coaches. And William Wallace. <laughs> yeah, and lawyers <laughs> and battlefield commanders and what have you. But how did you like this particular inspirational speech from Padme, Robbie? I mean, at first it was like, okay, this is being played up to be a big important thing. But, you know, it's honestly, like I said, uh, at the beginning of the episode, I mean, I mean, it was actually really effective and, and made some interesting points that like i said i I think uh some kids might uh you know plant that seed of of maybe negotiation before battle you know what i mean it's not a terrible thing to learn so yeah yeah pursuit of peace was written by daniel arkin and directed by Dwayne dunham and i thought the cinematic storytelling and the scripting of the speech were pretty much perfect i mean it worked really well for me and of course the episode closes by reminding us that even in a moment of triumph like padme's we're still far from out of the woods when it comes to this war because we see palpatine about as worked up as we've ever seen him at this point in the timeline i think i mean unless i'm forgetting something and it's still not very worked up but he is kind of gritting his teeth and seething a little here to Massimeda. And speaking of Massimeda, I've never been clear in the past just how much Massimeda knows about what Palpatine was up to. But the final scene suggests to me that he knows quite a bit. And so I want to ask you, Robbie, what's your sense of who this Massimeda is and how much he knows about Palpatine, Robbie? Does he know everything? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I've never, even though I've had the same suspicions, you know, that you have, I've never thought to go and, and seek out what exactly is this guy know? I mean, does, is he an employee of the Senate and he just knows things or is he put there on purpose front by Palpatine to be sort of his right hand man on both sides of the battle here, you know? not just the chancellor's aid, but what eventually becomes the emperor, right? I mean, it's an interesting thing that I've just never thought to look up, and now I feel very inadequate by uh, not knowing that. (laughs) Well, he's always kind of in the background. Like, he doesn't make a big deal out of who he is. He's always in the background, and Palpatine is so charismatic that almost anyone who's around him at any given moment kind of fades into the background anyway, but Mazameda never does anything showy never really does anything even significant you know he's just there to be Palpatine's support guy but just that scene at the end of this was the first time I really wondered how much does this guy actually know you know is he just another pawn in the game and he thinks Palpatine is just the chancellor and doing his chancellor stuff or does he know more and I guess we don't learn exactly how much he knows from this episode but we do learn some other things from Pursuit of Peace Robbie so what did you learn from Pursuit of Peace? Well I learned that if you're a senator in the Republic you want to make sure that you give a speech good enough to rouse the people, but not so good that it makes the chancellor realize that he needs to be an emperor instead of a chancellor. Mm, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, every action has an equal and opposite reaction, right, Robbie? Some good old physics there. And speaking of good old physics, I think we also learned that even when fleeing from bounty hunters, always wear your seatbelt, kids. If Baylor had a seatbelt on there, it would have been in much better shape. And, I mean, we wouldn't have got Padme's great speech, but still, we would have liked to have not seen Bale get all beat up like that. <laughs> And so now it's time to sum up Pursuit of Peace, Robbie. Where does this episode sit on that four-star Robbie scale? You know, for an episode that I didn't remember when it started, I actually kind of enjoyed it. There's some interesting things here as far as, you know, the viewpoint of different senators and things like that. I'm going to give this a three out of four. I was almost going to give it three and a quarter, but I don't think it's that great. To give it a three and a quarter, but I think I think it is one that uh, that you should watch in the uh, in the pursuit of getting through the Clone Wars. Yeah, I'm about the same as you. I've got this at a seven out of ten again, Robbie. Probably seven. Figuring down in the modal notes, blues riffs out of <laughs> ten. I really dug that little blues bus scene. I really loved the speeder bike chase through the sky lanes of Coruscant, and I thought the speed scene at the end. With Padme coming through when the pressure was on, did a real nice job. And so, that, yeah, like I say, that's a seven for Pursuit of Peace, Robbie. And that's Mission Accomplished for Season 3, Episode 11, Pursuit of Peace. So, Robbie, if the troops have any communications for us, how can they reach us? Well, you can reach us at Bucho and Robbie at Gmail on Twitter and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 55th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 3, Episode 12, Senate Murders? No. It's going to get worse, Robbie. These senators were getting beat up in this episode, and now our <laughs> next episode is called Senate Murders? Oh, this is going <laughs> to... I hope it... There you go. Uh, um, that's, what, that's what we're heading toward. I don't even want to say it. I mean, that's just... Let's just get to it, Robbie. Until then, this is your old buddy Pucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.